Well, sometimes uh, what is what is best for us in building others up, unfortunately, doesn't always feel good uh, in the moment. But uh, as it works, as as the Word of God takes effect in our lives, it does move us towards um, a, a fullness in Christ that uh, certainly, in that sense, makes us feel good. Um, and we're going to look to the Word of God today. Um, actually, in Hebrews chapter 5 is where we're going to start, um, verse 11, and um, we're going to actually talk about um, maturing in our, in our walk with Christ, and it has a whole lot to do with the Word of God, and um, so we're going to take a look at that this morning, and you know, we don't, um, uh, don't want to stall out in our walk with God. So imagine if, um, you know, as a, as a little, little guy or girl, as a toddler, your parents are teaching you how to speak the uh, English language, and uh, let's say you get to about four years old, and you just stop adding to your language. So now as, say, a, a 30 or 40 or 50-year-old person, the, the amount of language that you have mastered is that of a four-year-old. Would that be weird? Yeah, it'd be really weird. And you'd be really ineffective at communicating and understanding other people. Um, well, unfortunately, that's kind of what happens too many times with believers. Is after coming to faith and perhaps for a time having a hunger for the Word of God, that there um, is a... A, a, a losing of that hunger, a losing of that pursuit of the Word of God and, and really a pursuit of God through the knowledge and understanding of His Word uh, that gets lost. And so we end up, we can end up very well like, a, like, like that adult who has a four-year-old mastery of their language. Uh, we can end up like that in our faith. That here we are, a believer in Jesus, but all we know of him is what we learned in the first year of our coming to Christ. And everything else since then has been largely us kind of coasting along with what we acquired early on in our walk with him. And, um, and the call of Scripture, especially of Hebrews, and this portion of Hebrews especially, is that we go on to maturity. That, that we are endeavoring to grow in Christ. To become like him, to not be content with what though the what the what God has blessed us with in our knowledge and understanding of him is is uh, we are tremendously blessed by that and thankful for it that we do not just remain content with that but that we desire to know him more and and that should be the heart of of every believer that we have at our core a desire to know Him more. And the means for us to do that is through the Word of God. The Word of God being uh, revealed to us by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God being put into practice in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and by virtue of those things that we grow in our knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when I say knowledge and understanding, I'm not talking about a knowing of God. I'm talking about a knowing Him through experiential relationship with Him. Through a walking with Him. 
And, um, and that is what the call of Scripture is. And so as we uh, look at Hebrews chapter 5 here, um, there's a, a really a wake-up call for the believers in this day and for us as believers today. Let's, uh, let's first go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank You for Your goodness and we thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for Your Word of truth that rightly divides between good and evil, uh, even deep within us. And Lord, it's, it's a discerner of truth and falsehood. And, and even more than that, Lord, it is a revealer of who you are. And um, Father, we, we ask that through your word this morning, um, that we would be drawn deeper into um, a knowledge and understanding of you that, that deepens our fellowship with you and, um, and our trust in you. And we ask that you would, uh, as you promised to do, that you would lead us into all truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we start off here, I want to first uh, just start off with uh, the Hebrews Creed together again. That's the first four verses of, of Hebrews that really centers us on the person of Christ and who He is. And as the Son of God having been sent from heaven to earth on our behalf. And that God has been speaking through Him uh, to these generations, including ours. And so, would you stand with me as we join together? Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Thank you. You may be seated. God has spoken to us that we may know Him. And the more we know Him, the more discerning we are of truth and lie. The more discerning we are of sound teaching and false teaching. And um, the author of Hebrews here is we're going to find um, troubled by the the lack of of growth um, in the believers here. Let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter five, verse eleven. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So, what is he talking about? Well, he's just kind of dropped a couple of comments about this guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek and actually the uh, connecting uh, Christ and Melchizedek. And, um, and he says, about this we have much to say. There's a lot to say on this. Uh, but it's hard to explain, especially because you've become dull of hearing. That term dull there, uh, it it implies what you think it does. It means that they've become lazy, unengaged, um, that they are, are not alert 
when it comes to the Word of God, that they are um, uh, not responsive uh, and alert to it. And, and because of that, because they've gotten to a spot where they handle the Word of God with a sort of laziness, um, they have failed to grasp many things or, or be in a position to grasp new things um, as it relates to uh, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the author of Hebrews says, I want to delve deeper into this. Uh, there's a lot to say about it, but, but I, I don't know if you can handle it. I don't know if you're going to understand it. It's going to be really difficult to try to explain it to you. Um, you know, imagine... Imagine a, uh, a, a rocket scientist walks into a third grade math class and, be, and, and is trying to figure out how to, how to explain uh, all the high-level uh, physics that are involved in what he does to a thir- third grade math class. It's going to be hard to explain uh, and have them grasp at a very deep level what he deals with um, when there's only a third grade level understanding of math. Right, and and so he's saying this is going to be difficult to explain to you. Later on, he says, "But by God's by God's grace, uh, hopefully, we'll be able to here." Um, so it's his intent to do that. But he he says that you become dull of hearing. Verse twelve: For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Now, the author of Hebrews is not looking to insult his hearers. He's just merely saying, look, by now, um, in, in your walk with Christ, there has been sufficient time and sufficient opportunity for you to now be at a place of maturity where you can impart these truths onto others rather than needing to be in the place of consuming them uh, still yourself and only consuming them, you should be in a place of not just consuming but also passing them on. And, uh, you know, like, a, like an infant is the comparison that is made here, that you need milk, not solid food. Um, as an infant, we're, we're largely just consumers. I mean, sure, we're in, uh, hopefully, uh, our, our, our loved ones find us in a cute, cuddly little package that gives them some sort of reward just because we're cute and cuddly and we, we give uh, affectionate responses. But largely, we're just consumers. That's what we do. We, we eat and we use and we make messes and people tend to us, right? Um, as we grow and mature, though, even as a two- or three-year-old, we begin to learn how to become helpful. We begin to learn how to give towards others and contribute and if we go on to maturity hopefully uh, um, though sadly this doesn't happen often enough hopefully we go on to maturity where we are largely givers rather than takers right so the the author here says that you should be in a position where you're able to pass these truths on to others and teach others but you're, you're stuck in a place where all you can do right now is consume for yourself. And you're, not, you're, you're, you're dull of hearing and, and you're not alert and responsive to the Word of God being presented to you. It's not growing and maturing you. You've, be, you've stalled out. And rather than now being able to, to spread this to others, you, you're in a place of just still needing people to sort of 
you know, clean your behind, wipe your nose, and, and insert the spoon in your mouth. And it's a, it's a vivid image that he gives that you need milk, not solid food. Uh, the purpose here, again, is not to offend the hearers. It's to give them an understanding of what's real, where they're really at compared to where they ought to be by now in Christ. Now, now um, as, we, as we're hearing this, it may well be that we, we find ourselves being in the position of the hearers in Hebrews where we go, I'm afraid that might represent me. And so what the scripture is, not, is uh, the scripture here is not intended to bring condemnation. That you, you lazy Christian, you're just worthless. That is not the message here. It is a call to maturity. It is a call upward and onward in Christ. It is not a call that is meant to condemn. It is a call that is meant to call you out of that place. Into something more glorious. Into something that is sanctifying and purifying and growing in Christ. Now we can all, um, in life uh, and in our Christian walk, we can get to places where we just kind of hit a, a pattern of living and, and we sort of get, in, get sort of a, um, in a little bit of a lull there where we just sort of get used to the pattern of life and the swing back and forth and we just settle into the groove right there and we get content with it. But the call as believers is to always be pursuing our Lord more and more and more. That we know more of Him today than we knew of Him yesterday. That we experience more of Him today than we did yesterday. That we learn to trust Him more today than we did yesterday. And that comes by continually being engaged and moving forward in our knowledge and understanding of who He is. It requires us to remain engaged in the Word of God. I was just uh, recently, uh, I ran across some... um, some really great um, question and answer sessions with some of my favorite Bible teachers, all gathered in one place, being asked questions, and they're all responding to these questions. And um, and one of the one of the gentlemen who uh, I think in this video is is uh, right around eighty years old, late seventies, um, and and he's he's just talking about how. Um, how he as he he's a he's a preacher and teacher and he and he just was talking about how um, though the pre- preparation of messages over his many years of ministry has has been uh, daunting it's been a it's been a a lot of work and and it's a work every single Sunday like he says and and thankfully we're so blessed that we live in an age where every message can be recorded so I can never go back and repeat one. But his, what, he w- what he then went on to share is that because of this, God has used this to keep me propelling forward in my knowledge and understanding of him. And, um, and, and, and here is this Bible teacher that to me is, is 
such, has been such a blessing to me and, uh, and I, I look up to as being one who is mature in his faith and grasp of God's word is saying he needs to still be going upward and onward in his knowledge and understanding of the scriptures. And that still, he's saying, I am concerned that were God not keeping me engaged with teaching, I wouldn't be pressing as hard into that as I am now. He recognizes that even at this stage of the game that there's a temptation to, to not press onward in his understanding and knowledge of, of Christ and the word of God. And I think this, this is true for us whether we are a new believer or whether we are an old believer or whether we are an old believer who's functioning like a new believer in that we have not grown, on, grown in our maturity in Christ that wherever we're starting at, there is so much more of Christ to be known. There is so much more of, of, of our salvation and our eternal inheritance that is yet to be discovered. There is so much more about the family of God that is yet to be uh, 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 revealed to us through our walk with Him. And so the, we need to press on that we aren't content with milk, that we press on to solid food, that we begin to have the capacity because of training, as we're going to find out here, that because of constant training that we begin to have the capacity, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to grasp deeper things of God. And all this is, this is not, uh, I want to just also make clear that that this call that we have to, to um, grow in, in the knowledge and understanding of God's word, that we may know him more, it is not, it is not in relationship to, to where other people are at. It is in relationship to where we are right now and where we were yesterday and where we'll be tomorrow. It is for us in our life to press onward and upward. There are going to be some who grasp some of the things of God and have a capacity that is different than what I have. Um, in fact, there, there are many whom I rely on uh, which, who are the case, that they, they uh, have grasped some things of God that, that I may never really tap into real well. But yet I benefit from. And the call here is that we go from where we are into a deeper knowledge and understanding of Christ through His Word. And so it doesn't really matter so much if the guy or gal sitting next to you is farther along or not as far along as you, if they know more or less than you in that respect. It is, are we all moving forward in this from where we are? And so let's look at verse 13. So then it goes on to say, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So if, one, if, if we do not press on in our, word of God, in, in our knowledge and understanding of the word of God, um, we, are not be gonna, we are not going to become skilled uh, in, in the way we use and apply the word of God. And the effect of that is uh, in verse 14 there, that the mature 
They have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So what is the implication? If we don't grow into maturity in our knowledge and understanding of Scripture and through that our knowledge and understanding of God Himself, if we don't grow in that but we just kind of remain like a a child that stays on milk, even though we've had sufficient opportunity and sufficient time to grow, uh, what is, what is a, the great danger of that? Well, it is here that we are not discerners of good and evil. That we are not discerners of truth and falsehood. That as the Scriptures warn that we are going to put ourselves at great danger of, of being tossed back and forth between other doctrines and other teachings that are false that are not true about our great and glorious King. That Look, there are a lot of people that say some very convincing and, and seemingly logical things that we could grab hold of and go, yeah, that seems right to me. That's the great danger. That if we don't know the Word of God and through the knowledge of the Word of God know our Lord and Savior, then whatever people say may just seem right to us because we've lost or have not acquired the power of discernment to know good from evil, truth from falsehood. And it not only puts us at risk, but it puts the whole body of Christ at risk and the testimony of Christ in this world at risk when we are not discerners of good and evil. As believers, look, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna claim here by any stretch of the imagination to have the Word of God all figured out for myself. Very far from it. Very, very far from it. But my desire is to grow in it, to press onward and upward. But look, I, sad to say there are many churches being led by people who do not hold the Word of God with such value. With such a high ultimate value. And because of that, a lot of false teaching has entered into the body of Christ and lured many away and given many a false hope that someday they're going to stand before the Lord and He's going to welcome them into his kingdom and they are going to be sadly shut out of the kingdom of heaven forever because they have not believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have believed in a false gospel. And if we do not have our powers of discernment honed through the constant practice of the word of God being implemented into our lives, then we may well fall victim to believing in a false Jesus, to believing in a false gospel ourselves. You do not have to go far to find somebody who will present to you a different Christ than the Word of God presents to us. But they do it with increments. It is often not with a blatant disregard to all of the Word of God, that we're presented with the false Christ. It's a tweaking of the finer points that, that we go, if we have our powers of discernment, we go, that doesn't sound right. 
But if we don't have our powers of discernment, we go, well, that makes sense. I like that Jesus better too. God's word, the Bible, is our ultimate and final authority on all matters of our faith and our practice. Our final authoritative word on the revelation of God, on salvation, on the condition of man, on eternal life, on life in the Spirit, etc., etc., etc. And if we don't grow through constant training, in our understanding of God's word and our application of it, um, we're hobbling ourselves in the Christian life. You know what it means to hobble, right? It's essentially uh, tie your legs together. Hebrews chapter 12 calls us to run with endurance the race set before us. How do we run with endurance in anything if we're tying our legs together? If we're hobbling ourselves because we're not becoming discerners of good and evil through the constant practice of the Word of God in our lives, how are we going to run the race set before us? What's more is if we do not know the Word of God, um, we cannot know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for who He is. It is through his word that he reveals himself to us in the truth of who he is. And we do not, if we do not really know him as he is, then we do not really know him at all. And that's a scary place to find ourselves. I want to share with you a few scriptures. One is... John 17, I referred to it last week. John 17, 17 is the prayer of Jesus Christ. On behalf of his disciples, on behalf of, of uh, all believers who will come after them. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify essentially means uh, for us to learn to be the people who we've been made through the blood of Christ. So God has made us children of God through faith in Christ. He has made us disciples of Christ. He has made us new creations in Christ. He has made us temples of the Holy Spirit through our faith in Christ. Now the sanctification is that we learn to live like the people we've been made. And that comes through the constant practice of the Word of God in our lives. Psalm 119, 160 says, uh, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. We're called not to just cherry-pick the parts of the word of God that we find particularly encouraging that day, um, or that we find easy to digest, but the sum of the word of God is the truth that we've been called to grab hold of. Psalm 119, 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. The, the, what this, the psalmist is, is uh, questioning and answering here, rhetorical question of, uh, in, or leading question. I'm not sure what you would say here, but nonetheless, he answers the question. Um, how can a young man or a young woman keep their way sexually pure? Well, it's by guarding it according to the word of God. 
The word of God is a discerner of good and evil in our life. And the word of God uh, implemented in our lives helps us to discern good and evil and the choices that we make. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, which we've looked at previously here, it says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is rightly discerning between truth and lie, between good and evil. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's Word, it discerns good and evil in us, and it provides correction when necessary. It trains us up in living holy and righteous lives to the glory of God. And it makes us complete, ready to do the work of God that we've been called to do, that we've been saved to do. Ephesians chapter 4, 13 and 14, actually, if, uh, I wish I would have included the, the two verses prior to this, which says that God has, has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers for the equipping uh, of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the unity of the body of Christ, and, uh, or for the, for, the un- for the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." So the, what is the role of the apostles, the prophets, the, 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 the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers? It is to impart to us the Word of God. They are bearers of the Word of God. The Word of God, the effect that the Word of God has in the body of Christ and in believers is that it moves us towards unity in the faith and equipping us for the work that God has called us to and it keeps us from being just flipped and whipped around by, by some new teaching that comes along and false doctrine that we're going to be constantly bombarded with. There's always a new book on the shelf to be bought that tells us about Jesus. Always. And it's always going to be that way. Somebody is always going to have some new thought on Jesus, supposedly. Jesus has told us who he is. We don't need to get our information secondhand. Would you rather um, have someone else tell you who your spouse is? Or would you rather find out firsthand? Take the last one. Find out firsthand. God wants to be known Intimately and directly by us, not just known about. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, later on there in Ephesians, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is our, is our weapon to defend against the enemy who is constantly uh, seeking to invade and distort the things of God. 
And our weapon, one of our weapons against that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God which rightly discerns good and evil, truth and falsehood. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus uh, wields that sword. Um, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, 29, um, as uh, he's being questioned by the religious leaders, and he says, uh, uh, this was concerning the resurrection and, and marriage, and uh, it was really meant to just trip him up. But Jesus answered them, uh, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. This was to the religious leaders. Now they knew their scriptures in one sense, in that they had studied them, memorized them, knew of them. But they did not know the power of God experientially because they did not know God through the Scriptures. They, they, their, their knowledge of God stopped with just a, a, a knowledge of, a, of learning some stuff about Him. And so they did not have discernment in understanding the Scriptures is what Jesus was saying. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. Um, Jesus again says uh, to him, Have you never read in the Scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus refers to the Word of God. And he says, look, essentially, um, there's clarity in this if you were to know the Word of God. Well, as we... uh, you know, we can go on and on through the Scriptures with such examples of, of this call in the Word of God and the effect of the Word of God in our lives, but um, what the Scriptures do for us, aside from, from uh, discerning truth and, and falsehood and good and evil, is ultimately what the Scriptures do, the Word of God, is it points us to Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, where we find forgiveness of sins where we find a confidence to enter in uh, into the, the, the holy place before God, where we find mercy and grace to help in time of need, as the end of uh, chapter 4 says of Hebrews. In John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, Jesus has an encounter with a, a, a lady there, Samaritan woman. He said, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In other words, if you want to know God and worship him, you must know him for who he is. And worship him for who he is. Not who you wish him to be. Not who you imagine him to be. Not who some particularly compelling person says he is but who he says he is. And we find out who he says he is through his word. And the Holy Spirit, whom he's given us to give us understanding of that word. I want to leave you with six things here to put into practice in your life. Because the question here then is, how do we keep from becoming like those in Hebrews that the author says, look, you're, you're still living on milk and not on solid food. You're, you're unskilled in in, in the word of righteousness. That uh, essentially by virtue of that, that they don't have powers of discernment that are trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Um, how do we keep from being that, being that believer? 
Well, I'm going to give you six things. One is to hear his word. Um, and, uh, and there are several verses there that you can uh, pursue on your own there, but I would point out in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, that the Apostle Paul exhorts Timothy, he says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. The hearing of the Word of God through our ears and the receiving it through our ears is an important tool in helping us to know the Word of God and understand it. Secondly, read the Word of God. Or in fact, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 uh, says that those who do so are going to be blessed by it. So, uh, to hear His Word, to read His Word. Now, there are multiple ways that you can do this, so I'm not going to tell you exactly how to, how to do these things. There are several options available to us when it comes to hearing His Word um, and, uh, and reading His Word. But I would encourage you, read His Word. In fact, I would say that there is so much for us. I would go so far as to say, while, while I, I, treasure some of the, I treasure some of the Christian uh, uh, authors out there, that we have so much we can learn from. But I would say this, that we are never going to get from any of them what we get from the Word of God itself. And any benefit that we gain through those Christian authors is going to come because they're imparting some truth that they have gleaned from the Word of God themselves. And so let us not be better students of other Christians than we are of the Word of God itself. Which leads to number three, which is to study His Word. Um, In fact, in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, there are accolades given to... um, Accolades given here in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It says, um, find it here. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Fourth thing is memorize his word. Um, if you remember Psalm 119.9 that we read there about how can a young man keep his way pure? Um, it, it goes on to, to talk about the importance of God's word being internalized in our life. Number five is to meditate on his word. I've used the term ruminate. I like that one a little bit better just because the word meditate gets used for all sorts of silly things. Um, but ruminate just means to, it, you know what ruminate means, right? Okay, we're in a we're in, a, in an agrarian enough part of the world that you know what ruminate means. An animal eats something and then essentially burps it back up, chews it again, swallows it again, and then does that several times. That we do that with the Word of God, that we mull on it over and over, that we think about it, consider it, flip it and flop it in our, in our head and, and as we go throughout our day as it relates to the things we're going through and the things we're experiencing um, and the sixth thing is this, apply his word. James one twenty two um, says that we're not to be just hearers of the word, but doers of it. So as we hear and read and study and memorize and meditate or ruminate on the word of God, that we don't stop there, but then we take that final step, which is to put it into practice. To learn how to implement the things we're learning from the word of God into our own lives. 
that it takes effect in our life and produces fruit consistent with who we are now in Christ. That we become discerners of good and evil. Um, You know, the enemy comes uh, not dressed like the enemy. The enemy comes dressed as an angel of light with all kinds of great and wonderful promises to impart to us. We need to be discerners of that. We need to recognize the enemy when he's at our doorstep. And the way we will do that is by becoming more acquainted with Christ through his word. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Your word of truth. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. Lord, may, may we ever stand on the foundation that you have given us that the word of God takes such a central role in our life that, that, uh, um, that everything would rest upon that. Lord, that how we, how we speak, how we act, how we make decisions, um, how we schedule our days, that, that all of that is built and established uh, upon um, the word of God taking effect in our lives and, and discerning good and evil and discerning things that matter from things that don't matter, things that have eternal value from things that have uh, no value at all or at best in a temporal value. And, um, and, and we ask, Lord, that you would impart your wisdom to us through your word that we would understand what to do with it. Lord, and may your word find, its, uh, find a fertile place within each one of us to be planted, to grow, to mature us into Christ-likeness, that we would not be content to be uh, babies, but that we would go on to maturity. Lord, that we, would, that we would go on to be able to impart these truths to others, to call others deeper into faith in Christ, to, to explain um, how wonderful and glorious our, our Lord is. And, um, Lord, we we pray this in Jesus' precious name, our Savior and our Lord, whom we love. Amen. Would you please stand?